This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, August 17th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Matt Hoish. In today's headlines, Telluride School District prepares for a new school year. Delays push Telluride Parks projects back a year. Pay it forward with Diana Gonzalez. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Mother Nature has been busy causing some clogged roads around Telluride. Wednesday afternoon, San Miguel County Sheriff's deputies and the Colorado Department of Transportation responded to mudslides on Highway 145 at mile marker 79 in the Saw Pit area. As of broadcast deadline, the Sheriff's Office was warning of potential delays and urging motorists to drive with caution. On Tuesday afternoon, Sheriff's deputies and CDOT responded on Keystone Hill after multiple mudslides obstructed part of Highway 145. Drivers had to get through with one-way alternating traffic until the crews cleared the way and both lanes reopened a little before 5 p.m. Black Bear Pass remains closed from San Juan County due to mudslides over the weekend. The 2022-2023 school year is officially upon us. In less than one week, students will be back in the buildings at the Telluride School District. I am looking forward to seeing faces, um, riding buses with students, um, being in classrooms and watching them learn, and really allowing students to have the experience that they deserve to have. That's John Pandolfo, Telluride School District Superintendent. As families are buying school supplies and gearing up for the morning commute, Pandolfo says teachers and staff are working to create the ideal atmosphere for learning. When we work together and we believe we can really do good things, we can do better things than we do individually. So, you know, this week is really all about collaboration. Some of the time that teachers have will be individual time just to get in their classrooms and do what they have to do. But so much is working together to say, How do we make sure we're consistent in our professional learning communities? What are we doing to help develop our units of study so they're delivered consistently across classrooms where, you know, there's multiple classrooms doing the same thing? Um, You know, how do we just all coordinate so we're using common language with students, whether it is common academic language or common um, social-emotional kind of behavioral language? So those are all things we're really doing just to make sure that when students come back next week, which everyone is so excited for, um, we're just doing a better job every year with what we do. And that, you know, that's really our, that's our, that's our goal for this time of the year. Pandolfo points to a focus on vertical and horizontal alignment for curriculum, hiring the district's dual immersion program and student support as key for this school year. And while the worst of the COVID pandemic is hopefully behind us, Pandolfo notes there will still be measures in place to help keep students and staff safe. There's not going to be quarantines in the way that we've done in the past years. There's not going to be contact tracing in the way that we've done in the past years. Um, There still is if someone tests positive for COVID, regardless of vaccination status, regardless of if they've had in the past, the requirement is still a five-day isolation period. He adds there will still be free testing available for staff, students, and families. And Pandolfo acknowledges there will be areas where COVID is still impacting learning for students. It's a hard time to be a student. And it is, you know, our goal is to make sure they get, you know, challenging, rigorous, engaging, but supported curriculum so they don't feel lost. Um, And we are going to be dealing with gaps from a couple of years of very disrupted instruction for a while to come 
but my sincere hope is that we're able to show that you know we have rebounded significantly but what i you know we really want to again just continue to improve and student engagement is a huge piece of it the telluride school district's 2022-2023 school year begins on tuesday august 23rd the telluride parks and recreation department completed several projects over the last year most notably the new town park skate park but several park projects have faced delays and are getting pushed to next year. One reason is a backlog from 2021 that impacted this year's work. There were several projects that uh, started in 2021 that for various reasons got carried over to 2022. That's Telluride Parks and Recreation Director Stephanie Jacquet discussing projects with the Parks and Recreation Commission at their meeting this week. One big project from last year, she points to, is new facilities for the town park campground. Tried our best to get that complete, um, but it got a late start. And then labor and supply challenges, just anybody who's involved in construction can relate to that right now. Those delays meant town couldn't complete all of the projects planned for this year. And Jacquet doesn't see those challenges changing anytime soon. I think that this is a trend that is a bit out of our control, given... Um, the current challenges with construction and with design and with costs and inflation and everything else. So for that reason, I'm strongly recommending that we keep our plate pretty, not empty, but not overfilling in 2023, knowing that projects likely are going to take longer than we plan and likely are going to cost more money than we plan. The department recommends carrying over several projects planned for 2022 into 2023. One of those delayed projects includes construction of a new two-story warming hut. The ground level would be the current uses, which would be a common space, bathrooms, and a wash stand. And then up above would be entirely <coughs> for youth use. Yeah. Another is improvements to the river corridor. Commission Chair Teddy Erico agrees that's needed. Certainly the use, I've never seen it as busy as it's been. All in all, according to Jacquet, the Parks and Rec Department plans to request about $2.8 million dollars for these bigger projects next year. This is kind of standard. We've been in the two to $3 million range for at least 10 years that I that I remember. Town manager Scott Robson broadly agrees with the Parks and Rec plan. Tax revenues from the first half of this year, he notes, have been strong, though he hints at possible financial clouds on the horizon. We're all being somewhat conservative right now, uh, looking into the the next two fiscal uh, quarters here in front of us from a, from a sales tax and travel standpoint, not knowing what the national recession will look like. Still, Robson thinks the Parks and Rec focus on the Warming Hut and River Corridor in terms of major projects makes sense and says he wants to see even more investment in the River Corridor over the coming years. We've certainly got some aging of our of our small trail bridges, some safety issues, I think better access to the river itself for, for our community is really important coming up these next few years as, as you just see that San Miguel River trail get more and more use every, every month. The Parks and Recreation Commission gave their okay for the proposed capital improvement projects for 2023. Of course, budget season continues and nothing is final until town council approves the 2023 budget later this year. Separately at the commission meeting, during a review of sports using town park facilities, field space for practice came up as one challenge. Erico stresses the need for more regional collaboration between local governments when it comes to planning for fields in the area. When you think about the size of the 
of the projects being discussed for affordable housing and what that's going to do to the number of kids in town. You have to be thinking more fields or you're just going to end up with a New York City kind of thing where you don't have practice or you're on blacktop or I mean, who knows? More housing and more people moving to the region would mean they'll need a place to play. Sometimes, when covering the news, we miss the people who maybe aren't doing anything dramatic or new, but deserve a little recognition for being one of the many community members who hold our region together. So, KOTO News is starting a new series, Pay It Forward. Each segment, we'll talk with someone from the community about their life and Telluride journey, and then ask them to nominate someone else to shine a spotlight on for the next segment. To kick things off, we asked KOTO's assistant station manager, Claybrook Penn, for a nomination. Her choice, Diana Gonzalez, who runs Caravan with her husband, David. I nominated Diana from Caravan because she's a community leader who serves the people with a generous spirit and a strong heart. Our conversation with Gonzalez began with how she came to Telluride. Oh my God, it was 10 years ago, I think. I was on the university on Mexico and I have family in here. And one of my aunts asked me if I want to try meet all the visa thing with my cousin. And well, I accept that. I don't have idea that I'm actually going to make it. So we just do it. Everything's go well. And we got the visa, so we come to vacation. My dad actually want to go. <laughs> I come because that's the thing. He always so scared to I go out of the house to somewhere else and something happens. But she insists, my aunt, and we come in. And oh my God, this place, <laughs> it's magical. It's beautiful in here. And the people and everything. You don't have an idea how weird it was the first day that, that I get here. Everyone's like, hi, how are you? And, you know, so friendly. And it was like, oh my God, why are they saying to hi to me if they even know me? But it was so sweet. It's just to be like that in the old times where I live. And it was so weird because all that, um, how can I say, friendly, educated and all that get lost so fast with the time. When did you make the decision that you were going to stay? And it sounds like you've oh stayed for like 10 years. Yeah. Well, I keep going the summers. Only it was just like a month and a half that I had from vacation. And then I think it was 2016, I started to date with, dating with David. And then um, I decided to, to change all my plans. I know, no, we're supposed to think and everything's turned around to a guy. But I don't know, I'm pretty excited about everything. So I tried to switch all my plans to try to stay in here as much as I can because I actually love the place. How did you and David meet? In La Cocina de Luz. Were you both working there? Yes. Aww. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people right now, I think, know you from Caravan and a lot of your work there. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, it was, I think, four years ago. Mm, Lucas wanted to read off of the cabin because it was already in there, but I think it doesn't work for him. And he wanted to read off and offer to David before any decision. And David just accepted that. He said, yes, why not? And he just called me like, hey, I'm going to take the camera and you need to come back. <laughs> and we started working on it. What's it been like moving from working at a restaurant to now? I mean, being, I mean, right-hand person to the owner, it sounds like. 
at first it was hard. I'm not going to lie to that. It was hard and separate the personal things to the caravan work. It was oh, crazy. <laughs> and then when we start to figure out how to do it, it was really, really nice. And we know each other pretty well. So even if we got stressed, because I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's so busy, so, so busy that it looks like we mad each other, but we don't. It's just like at the moment and then we're done and it's like, okay, <laughs> I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I actually like it. Why do you like it? I don't know. I love, I love people though. It sounds weird, but I don't think a lot of people actually love to treat more people. And I'm not a social person. Actually, I'm not. And I'm a little, I think a lot, introvert. But I love the people. I love to help. I love to make it happy. What do you like doing when you're not at Caravan? I don't have too much time right now. I'm going to be honest, have a business, it's take a lot. But if I talk in on my free moments, I actually love nature, walk, but I love to be artistic. I never have like, how do you say when you're born with that? Talent, like, like in, yes, inherent talent? talent or nature talent. I never have that, but I love to paint, sing, music, all of that. I don't have any opportunity to actually practice or go to school or something to take an instrument off, but I love that. <laughs> that was Diana Gonzalez, who runs Caravan with her husband, David. Tune in next week for another installment of our Pay It Forward series to hear from Gonzalez's nomination for someone she thinks deserves a little recognition. Mushrooms are good for a lot of things, both culinary and medicinal. But did you know you can also use them to make paper? This Friday, the Telluride Institute, the Telluride Mushroom Festival, and the Wilkinson Public Library are teaming up to offer a free class on mushroom papermaking with multimedia artist and amateur mycologist Jessica Langley. The kid-friendly event will teach which fungi can be used and all about the tools and techniques of papermaking. All supplies will be provided. The mushroom papermaking class is Friday, August 19th from 10 to 11 a.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. Pre-registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. Thor, Love and Thunder has a few more days at the Nugget Theatre. Thursday, August 18th, will be the superhero flick's last day, with a showing at 5 p.m. That same day, a one-night-only showing of A Love Song will light up the big screen at 8 p.m. Then, Friday, Jordan Peele's newest feature film, Nope, comes to Colorado Avenue. The science fiction horror film follows the residents of a lonely gulch in California, who bear witness to a chilling discovery. With Kiki Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya, and Steven Yoon, Nope begins its 7 p.m. nightly run at the Nugget Theater this Friday, August 19th. The movie is rated R and runs at just over two hours. San Miguel County is among the most generous counties in Colorado. That's according to a recent study from the financial company Smart Asset, which shows San Miguelians donate 2.9% of their income, well above the statewide rate of just under 1%. 
The rankings, which take into account charitable contributions as a percentage of net income and the proportion of people who made charitable donations, have San Miguel in sixth place behind Boulder, Eagle, Elbert, Douglas, and in first place, Pitkin County, where the data shows residents donate about 5% of their income. Among the roughly 3,100 counties in the nation, the study shows San Miguel County ranked 108th. A new round of cutbacks is coming for some water users on the Colorado River. KUNC's Alex Hager reports the cuts follow a grim forecast for the nation's largest reservoirs. The Bureau of Reclamation says water levels in Lake Mead outside Las Vegas will be critically low and still dropping at the start of next year. To help soften the blow, the agency will restrict the amount of water sent downstream starting in January 2023. Camille Kalim-Limtudin is the Bureau's director. The system is approaching a tipping point, and without action, we cannot protect the system and the millions of Americans who rely on this critical resource. Those cutbacks will be felt most sharply in central Arizona, although local water agencies will use stored reserves to help ease the shortages. This is the second year in a row that mandatory cutbacks have been issued as climate change strains the overallocated Colorado River. I'm Alex Hager. Colorado lawmakers will pursue at least 10 wildfire prevention programs when they kick off their legislative session in January. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, some of the bills are repeats of ones that failed last year. Lawmakers are reviving a bill to expand the state's wildfire investigation team. The proposal died last session despite passing the Senate unanimously. Representative Mark Snyder says there aren't enough resources to find the causes of some of the state's most destructive fires. When we don't know what the origin is, it just adds another level of anxiety and concern and worry for people. The state only has one fire investigator. The bill would pay for seven more. Lawmakers say local law enforcement agencies lack training to do the probes. Another bill would buy a new network of remote cameras to monitor for blazes. That same bill died last year after sponsors said they couldn't pay for it. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for scattered showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Thursday, expect mostly sunny skies with scattered showers and thunderstorms and a high around 70 degrees. Thursday night should be mostly cloudy with a low around 50 degrees and a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Friday calls for showers and thunderstorms with a high around 60 degrees. Friday night, expect showers and possible thunderstorms with a low in the mid-60s. This has been the news for Wednesday, August 17th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.